1: If uh, the Maryland Declaration of Rights, in the beginning, it already contrasts the new government of Maryland with the tyrannical British monarchy, then probably, um, at least in the 1770s, this Maryland Declaration of Rights is actually kind of fitting in, in the old scholarship instead of the, 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 the later one.
0: That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor, Dr. Haimo Lee. Discussing Article 1, Section 9, Clause 3 of the United States Constitution. Where it comes from, and why it still matters. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is brought to you by Discover Concord, the town where our American history began. Plan to visit and explore historic Concord, Massachusetts. For more information, visit discoverconcordma.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Dr. Haimo Lee, and he'll be discussing one of the uh, rarely discussed, but as we'll see, incredibly important inclusions of the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 3. Now, I know what you're saying. Oh, of course, old Article 1, Section 9, Clause 3. We all know that one, Right. Uh, But this actually discusses the idea of uh, our founders with incredible forethought, uh, prohibiting the use of what's called an ex post facto law. That is to say, you can't just make something illegal for the purposes of arresting someone who then theoretically had already committed a crime. There were a lot of loyalists during the American Revolution, newsflash, Of course, you know that if you listen to this program. And there were a lot of people that made the revolutionary cause, the patriotic cause, difficult. Because, again, they were loyal to the crown and some made very convincing arguments. So there were instances where state legislatures would basically create laws, make things illegal that weren't illegal before. Just for the purpose of retroactively arresting and locking up uh, some of these Offenders, they really just, more people they didn't agree with. Pretty un-American. Luckily for us, some of our founders had the forethoughts to make sure the Constitution clearly stated that wasn't going to happen. Haimo Lee makes a very convincing case where this comes from. And he even pinpoints it to the state of Maryland specifically. It's a fascinating article and a great interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Haimo Lee. Hi, Mo Lee. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much
1: for inviting me
0: uh, to, to be here. Yeah. Tell us about your background. Uh,
1: thanks so much for the question. Uh, basically, I, uh, my uh, BA and NA is all about history. And then I uh, came to the United States. Uh, my, my first uh, master's degree, uh, I got it from New York University, uh, is in uh, politics. And after that, I, I worked uh, for one year uh, for my master' thesis advisor at NYU. And then uh, after that, I uh, applied to uh, my current institution, which is University, university of Houston. Uh, so I spent several years in here. Uh, I defended my also also in political science. I defended my dissertation uh, in uh, April uh, 2021 and got a, degree, a PhD degree in uh, May 2021. And my advisor is Professor Jeremy uh, Bailey, who is a, a scholar. On, uh, his major research uh, focus on Jefferson and Madison. Uh, my dissertation is uh, on Jefferson, uh, the, the, on Jefferson's later political thought, meaning uh, after 1809, uh, all the way up to his death in the 1820s and uh, I taught uh, intro to political theory courses uh, to undergrad, un- undergraduates uh, four times, uh, independently, uh, at, at UH. Yeah, so so, so uh, that is basically all my uh,
0: credentials. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah. What first drew your interest into this topic?
1: Right. Uh, thanks so much for the question. So uh, basically, uh, the, this is, uh, as I have just said, right, this, so, so this is not my... Uh, dissertation's uh, focal point, right? Uh, so I, I, I basically work on uh, Jefferson. And, and also, in terms of the timing, uh, di- uh, this is also a little bit earlier than my own dissertation. So it's kind of like a, a side project uh, because uh, I have uh, one uh, co author publication with my advisor, Professor Bailey. Uh, uh, I actually just got published uh, in uh, in June uh, 2021, in a, in a British journal, the name is History of Political Thought. So in that journal, uh, we basically tracing uh, some of the intellectual origin uh, of the Hamilton's Federalist 70. in that piece. Uh, we, we, uh, we were using a lot of uh, digital tools, uh, different data sets. And then we, we construct uh, a, a lot of Excel forms, right? so that uh, we, we can see the origin and, and also the, the, the change of the certain ideas. And uh, I'm basically using the same technique in this paper. Uh, and uh, we, where this paper originally comes from is uh, actually when I, uh, I think at one time when I taught the intro to political theory class, it's reading the uh, Constitution, US Constitution, and then I realized uh, this clause uh basically, at that time, I don't understand either uh of the words because basically it's two parts right I uh, expose federal law and the bill of a tender and then basically i uh you know kind of like do some uh, search on the google uh, what 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 are they I mean and, and uh, after that i'm i also thinking like so so kind of like a problem a, a question instantly jumps in my mind like um if this two, because basically they are meaning two different things. So if these two different things have been mentioned in one single clause in the US Constitution, then would there be any other cases in the US funding theory that that is similar to this? right? And then I open those data sets, uh, different data sets, like uh, Founders Online, uh, such as Happy Trust, and also uh, Apple, Echo, uh, different data sets. And then after a, a little while, I, I start to realize that this uh, Maryland uh, Declar- Declaration of Rights in the, uh, 1776, uh, it's not only that, uh, so they, it also mentions these two things, and it's a decade earlier than the U.S. Constitution. It's not only about that. Uh, it's also uh, like after locating that, I looked into the uh, Constitutional Convention's record, such as Madison's Note, and then I realized, oh, those uh, delegates from Maryland, from the state of Maryland, they are basically pushing this. They are pushing this uh, clause into the constitutional test. And then after, uh, after that, I also uh, done, uh, dig a little bit deeper into the literature. Uh, there are some literature mentioning something about that in the early 20th century, but I don't see any literature link all those different pieces together, and then directly point uh, this clause to the Maryland Declaration of Rights. It, they, uh, what, what, what the, the, the thing that I saw in the early 20th century literature is basically uh, they will... Uh, Put a clause uh, the, the constitutional clause at first, and then they will say uh, something similar like this happened in some other uh, you know state level declaration of rights uh, that that's the utmost thing that they have done, but they never like link uh this information uh with the Maryland delegate pushing for this and also there's actually a, a another uh, piece of this, which is uh, uh, in, after they, they passed the Constitution in the Philadelphia, a Maryland gentleman named Alexander uh, County Hansen, he basically promotes this clause. He, he talked about this clause specifically and he wants to promote uh, this clause. And this gentleman also came from Maryland. I said, okay, maybe all these pieces can be linked together and kind of forms a short paper. So 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 that that is the entire story of like how these things are uh, from the from the scratch of the paper to eventually uh like kind to being yeah thank you
0: this is a very important part of your article you may not be familiar with this term myself included could you explain to us the terms ex post facto law and bill of attainder
1: right thank you so much i am basically uh providing you the the definition that I got from the, uh, the, from the internet, <laughs> okay. but, 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 but I guess uh, uh, this is already very clear, uh, so I, I, I just like a uh, uh, copy. Uh, so ex, posto, uh, ex post facto law is basically the law that uh, retroactively makes the criminal conduct that was not criminal when performed, when being carried out, uh, and uh, increases the punishment the crimes that's already committed or changes the rules of procedure in force at the time of an alleged crime was committed in a way substantially disadvantaged to the accused. So basically the idea is something I'm using, a, 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 a not, not, not I am, sorry. Uh, the, the, the government used a later on past law to try to get uh, the people who had done Uh, you know, kind of violation of the law beforehand, right? Like previously, like maybe years ago, maybe decades ago. So when the people have actually done that, they are not in violation of anything because there's no law uh, regulating that. So even uh, if maybe the the thing is not, you know, quite uh, good, but when they are doing that, there's no anything to regulate that. But the, later on, the government passed things, and then they say these newly established pieces can actually regulate the thing that happens years ago, decades ago. So, so which uh, from this, uh, this question, we can already kind of like infer that it is sort of unjust, right? Okay, and and the bill of a tender is basically the act of the legislature uh, declaring a person or a group of persons guilty of some crime. Or punish them uh, often without a trial. So I guess in here the key word is the legislature. So it's basically the legisl- legislature legislative acts, uh, uh, and basically at, at the at the moment of the bill of a tender being carried out, is the legislature acts as if the legislature is the judge and the jury, and oftentimes it's they they, do, they are doing this without a fair trial. So I, I guess. Um, from this question, basically, we, we, we can kind of tell these two, these two things are not, um, you know, positive things, right? Uh, they, they were already uh, from the definition. We can kind of uh, feeling that they are kind of like in kind of like a bad laws. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Have these sorts of laws been applied before the revolutionary era in America? Have we seen anyone actually doing this?
1: Right. Uh, thanks so much. That, that, that's a very good question. Uh, so basically, the, the, if, because after I finish uh, this paper, I, I say, okay, I might, I might need to uh, look at the so-called scholarship uh, of, of these two uh, legal concepts. And then I realized that, um, so decades ago, the original scholarship is basically saying that uh, this kind of uh, clause. The reason that they are in the US Constitution is because at the, at, at that time the grammar, they recall the historical tyranny of the Great, uh, great uh, Britain and the France in establishing the prohibitions uh, uh, against exposed federal laws and abuse of tender. Uh, so that that's the like the old-fashioned uh, established scholarship. But the new, the later ones, like the recent scholarship, is saying that this this is not only about the UK uh, practice. This is not only about uh, the UK experiences or, or also the European experiences. Uh, in reality, uh, things are more complicated, and uh, actually a lot of the, these prohibitions were. Uh, Basically, uh, uh, aiming at the legal abuses that happened domestically, meaning in the American colony, uh, around the revolutionary theory. Uh, I I guess for these two things, basically, uh, exposed battle law, I guess, in the scholarship, they they told us that it already uh, kind of happened in the colonial period. For the bill of a tender, it not it kind of really happened in the colonial period. But when the revolution happens, the colonial uh, sorry not the colonial the the, the the state government right the state government they actually pass a lot of uh, this bill of a tender. So uh, bottom line is basically uh, after the the uh, the, the revolution uh, broke out. Uh, even in the United States, there are a lot of uh, new laws that is about uh, this kind of uh, either uh, exposed fatal or bill of a tender uh, type of laws being passed uh, have been passed. So, so if this is the case, then it will also make this uh, Maryland Declaration of Rights in 1776 kind of like a go against the crowd type of uh, special document Uh, is kind of like uh, remarkable for its time. And and also, uh, I I want to mention one thing is that uh, I searched over the uh, state level uh, constitution at that period, so around 1770s, this Maryland Declaration of of Rights is the only document that simultaneously mentions the post federal law part and also Bill of a tender part, and also uh, mention the, the 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 word is in the same. Because, uh, for example, there are some state level uh uh declaration declaration of rights also mention something like uh we should uh we uh we, we should not be able or we, or we should not be okay with the exposed federal law, but they are not using the word of exposed federal law. So so this Maryland uh, declaration declaration uh, of rights is uh Not only using these two uh, concepts, but exactly using the same uh, wording as the u uh, s constitution so uh so i I guess uh and giving the time because in the seventy seventies to seventy eighties it seems like a lot of uh, these sort of laws have been passed in the in the in, the, in america in the state level. So, this makes this uh, Maryland Declaration of Rights sort of like uh, peculiar or say like uh, outstanding. Yeah, thank you.
0: We've mentioned it uh, a few times. Of course, it's the topic of the article. Uh, but let's clarify what did Article 1, Section 9, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution actually state?
1: Right, right. That, that, that's a very good question. I, I should actually elaborate that. Uh, I I will read the the, the clause out loud uh, 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 like uh, uh, out loud. Okay, the the clause is that no bill of attender tender, or as post federal law, shall be passed. It is is that simple, right? So uh, imagine these two things, and the no any law in this type in in this shape uh, shall be passed. And um, but basically if you look at the state levels uh, uh, declaration of rights or say constitutions the Maryland one is the the only one that uh mentions these two at, at the same time uh mention mention it using the same terminology um uh, and uh it's a it's a decade earlier than than the uh, than than the passage of the U.S. Constitution and and uh, as as I said previously, uh, we have the record that in the Constitutional Convention, the Maryland delegate uh, kind of like first proposed this, and uh, and also later on during the debate, another uh, Maryland delegate uh, defended uh, this. Basically, yeah. Thank you.
0: Who were the founding fathers or the figures you found to be most responsible for? The creation and inclusion of this, right?
1: Thank you so much. Uh, according to uh, basically here, I, I think uh, I, I'm basically using Madison's notes, right? So the the according to the notes, it, it's first being proposed in August 1787, and the first two people that uh, raise it up is uh, Mr. Uh, Gary, I think it's Elbridge Gary, and uh, uh, Mr. MacHenry. McHenry is uh, James McHenry. So. Uh, Gary, Gar- Mr. Gary is not from Maryland, from Massachusetts. And, and also funny fact that Mr. Gary eventually kind of like uh, uh, disagreed to sign the uh, to, to sign the Constitution into in, into the law. But, but uh, okay, so the, that's a different story. But McHenry here, he is directly, uh, he was directly coming from uh, Maryland. So uh, he, uh, according to like Wikipedia page, he was born in 1753. He died in uh, 1816. And then uh, he basically, uh, yeah, he, he is a signer of the U.S. Constitution for Maryland, and he represents Maryland uh, in the uh, Continental uh, Congress. And and, and there is another story. Uh, and the other uh, key figure in here is uh, Daniel Carroll. Daniel uh, Carroll, C A R O L L. So. Carroll, the, the role that Carroll plays is that uh, later on, when it comes to the debate, because there are persons such as James Wilson, they think, uh, that they, I'm quoting directly quoting from Wilson, Wilson saying that if these prohibitions in the state constitution have no effect, uh, it would be useless to insert them in this constitution. So basically, they're saying a different opinion, and the Carroll in here is pretty much uh, on the same page with McHenry. So so basically, uh two uh, Maryland delegates not only proposed this, but also defended this in the Constitutional Convention. Um, and then also, uh, there, there will be the number three guy, the, the, the third guy that I uh, also mentioned previously, is the Alexander Hansen. Uh, he never participated in the convention, but in 1788, he published something called the Remarks on the Proposed Plan of a Federal Government. And in this document, he uh, not only supported the passage of the constitution; he specifically talked about this clause. And then she, uh, he also talked about the tender, the exposed federal law, uh, several times. So basically, is uh, in support of banning this kind of this type of laws. So, so I guess for for like for people like Hanson, he's basically on the same page with Carroll, with McHenry. Um, they are basically both. Uh, you know my, my understanding is that they're basically trying to uh, you know insert the uh, Maryland uh, 1776 Declaration of rights this, this kind of model uh, into the u s Constitution, uh, at, at least uh, when it comes to the exposed federal law and the bill of a tender these part uh, so So yeah, these are the three key figures that for now I'm able to find. I believe um for for those people who actually started the Maryland history or the Maryland legal history, they should be able to find even more people I, I feel like this is a group uh so uh most likely should be should be, there, there should be more people that I just i have i have not located by myself yet, but it's out there i guess uh so uh i, I feel like that 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 uh, that is the story yeah thank you yeah.
0: you quote. Supreme Court Justice Felix Frankfurter, uh, stating that these laws are, quote, two mischiefs. Uh, Do you agree with him? Was he correct? Yeah,
1: Yeah. thank thank you so much. That's a a very good question. Uh, My understanding is that uh, he's talking about, from the legal standpoint, so it's kind of like a law school paper uh, style. So basically, he thinks these two things, uh, they have been put together it's a very simple reason because these two things oftentimes happen simultaneously uh sometimes if the 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 as, opposed, as opposed federal law happens the bill of tender uh, will also happen something like that i i I'm not uh, a uh, you know law student I, I guess because he's supreme court ju- judge i think most likely he's right but I, my point is i feel like the story is not that simple right i, I feel like other than that theoretical, uh, you can say overlapping or say theoretical uh, uh, happening at the same time. Other than that, I'm kind of feeling there's another like historical, uh, you know, e- evolvement, uh or the historical progress uh, or, or of this being put into the class. Uh, so my theory is that it's kind of like the, uh, this Maryland uh, group, they are, uh, you know, uh, uh, basically uh, kind of importing this, this thing already existing in Maryland for a decade. And then they say, uh, how about we put this thing into the uh, constitutional text? And then uh, people like uh, Elbridge Gray, uh, Elbridge Gray right, from Massachusetts, who is uh, not a Marylander, but probably either he actually agree with the spirit, uh, of, of, of this uh clause in the Maryland uh uh declaration of rights or maybe in the Massachusetts has something kind of similar uh, so he, he, on, uh, he he's also on he's also on both but the, even that is the case i i, I still think that the Maryland uh, cohort is kind of like the major uh, people that actually uh, brought this into the uh, uh, how do I say it? into the final version of the constitutional test, co- constitutional test, uh, test. Yeah, uh, I, I I, guess that, uh, uh, I, I, I guess uh, that is my theory. That, uh, of this. So basically, I'm not saying that I disagree uh, with, uh, John, uh. uh yeah i'm i'm not saying i'm, I'm not uh, i disagree with judge uh, frank frank, frank Furter's, uh, explanation I, i'm kind of saying that uh, maybe uh, my work in here can provide a sort of like additional uh, uh interpretation or explanation to um, judge uh, Mac, uh, frank vertus uh, theories Uh, Yeah, I'm not saying I I disagree with him. I I guess most likely uh, he's right, but but there there is a more uh, affluent uh, historical background in here. I guess. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: How does this article help us to understand the revolutionary era better?
1: Right. Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, That that's a very good question. Actually, for that question, I don't have a very clear uh, answer. But uh, like more specifically, I'm kind of feeling uh, this might brought us to the uh, so-called importance of the Maryland Declaration of Rights. Uh, let me be a little bit more specific about what I mean. So basically, during the American Revolution, a number of states, so not only Maryland, including Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts. They all wrote the declaration of rights or bill of rights into their state constitutions. Uh, I guess to a certain extent, all these documents might have something to do with the with the text. Uh, when I say tests, uh, text, T E X T, right? Mean, meaning the mean, meaning the the, the the wording, right? Uh, have something to do with the uh, with the text of the U.S. Constitution, and. What I'm trying to say in here is that specifically for the ex-post-federal law and the bill of a tender clause part, the Maryland one seems to be the most relevant or say related one. Um, and I have two tiny points to make in here. The point number one is that uh, because if you look at the Maryland Declaration of Rights, you will realize that the first version of the Maryland Declaration of Rights uh, the, the, the Its first version contrasts the new government of Maryland with the tyrannical British monarchy. If this is the case, then basically uh, our argument might actually contribute to the old scholarship instead of new scholarship, right? Because the old scholarship is about, uh, the, 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 how do I say, it, it, it's basically about uh, there are this kind of clause in the US Constitution is basically because they are worrying the uh, from the European experiences and the new uh, literature is that because there are a lot, a, lot, a lot of such practices happen in the American colony and my, my point is if the, the Maryland Declaration of Rights in the beginning is already contrasts the new government of Maryland with the tyrannical British monarchy then probably um, at least in the 1770s, this Maryland Declaration of Rights is actually kind of fitting in the in old scholarship instead of the, 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 the later one. The other point I want to make, I think is kind of relevant, is uh, actually I'm not the first guy to point out that this Maryland of Declaration of Rights has some peculiarity. Ah, uh, let me quote two different scholars. They, they, but but they are not talking about this as post federal law and the bill of a tender part. They are talking about something else. But they are talking about the Maryland Declaration of Rights. So uh, the the first scholar that I will quote is Thomas G. West, uh, Professor West, two thousand seventeen research, uh, has this part of uh, of the lines. He say, the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution affirms the free exercise. Of the religion, and the Maryland Declaration of Rights gives the fulliest, fullest, F-U-L-L-E-S-T, uh, the the fullest statement of the right: no person, or by any law, to be uh, molested, uh, to to be uh, molested, to to, to to be monaster, uh, uh, molested, M-O-L-E-S-T-E-D, yeah, to, to be molested, in his person or estate, on account of his religious uh, preservation or profession, or for his religious practices. So basically, uh, in here, Professor West is point, what was pointing out that in terms of the religious clause, the U.S. Constitution has a peculiar uh, link, linkage, or say, uh, relation with the Maryland Declaration of, of Rights. The other uh, final scholarship I want to call is Professor Gordon Wood. Uh, Professor Woods, I think this is also either 2017 or 2018 research. Is the France divided uh, kind of very famous book uh, about Jefferson and Adams. At one uh, occasion, he mentions that. Uh, so basically, the uh, in the uh, in the founding moment of the U.S. Constitutional Convention, there is a question, right? Uh, do we just need a normal, regular legislature? to constitute a constitution? Or do we need a higher authority, meaning something like a constitutional convention to construct a constitution? So is it, should, should it belong to a normal work workload, or should it belong to a higher authority? And then uh, P- Professor Wood provided, at that time, most of the states in American colonies they simply enacted their constitution as if they were regular statutes, meaning basically they just used their regular legislature to constitute their uh, you know, uh, respective, uh, or, or they would say their individual state-level constitution. But there are several states that's different. That's, you, uh, you can say go against the crowd. And one of, one of those states is Delaware war. Delaware provided for a supermajority five-sevenths of the legislature for changing the constitution. So it's about the amendment process. And then Professor Wu talked about Maryland. Maryland said that its constitution could be amended only by two-thirds of the vote of the two successive legislatures. So basically, even though he is only talking about the constitutional amendment process, but basically... The, the, the Maryland people at that time, they already have a feeling that the normal legislature is not suitable to do something as high as the uh, so-called constitution, right? So they already have something uh, in, in, in this uh, manner. So so I, I guess, and, and that kind of thinking in the founding moment is also kind of go against the crowd. So uh, I, I guess that would be another uh, peculiarity about the, the, this Maryland document. And, and once again, because the bill of Tender is the legislature and as something which is unjust, right? So uh, I guess the spirit is the same, right? So uh, basically, when something this high as the uh, Constitution, uh, it should be something more than just a normal legislature. And the Maryland at that time is something like Two thirds of the vote of two successive legislatures, which is, I guess, is uh, you know kind of like uh, kind of like bigger than a single legislature in a, in a single majority vote, right? So yeah, I'm bringing up Professor West's research and Professor Wu's research, uh, just trying to say that it feels like uh, this Maryland 1776 Declaration of Rights has some peculiarity. Uh, and if our audience uh, who are interested in pursuing this uh, I, I feel like there might be something uh, waiting to be discovered uh, I, I, I hope my short paper kind of uh, at this very tiny aspect uh, also uh, kind of say something similar to Professor West and Professor woods uh, already
0: in research thank you so much Hi yeah. Molly. thank you for joining us thank you, thank you so much The music played in this episode included works by Kevin MacLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.